0: Good morning again. We're going to continue talking about the, ma- the message series "Stand Your Ground." And the last two weeks, uh, this is the third week of this series. We've been really talking about how to to fight uh, in a battle that is real, that we cannot see, but it is headed by a real enemy. So we're going to dig into that. Um, as I've been thinking about fighting and how to fight, I was in a fight club once. I was. Um, It was in college, and I was walking into the dorm room, and on the second floor, it was all windows. And I see, like, this this group of just men in a circle. And, you know, like any guy, I'm like, I want to see what they're doing. And I get, and there's two people in the middle of the circle with boxing gloves. And basically, there was some alpha males in the group, and they'd call your name, and they'd call another name, and you would go and fight. And uh, next thing I know, I'm watching, kind of giggling like a girl, and then my name gets called. And I think, uh-oh, I'm in a fight club. First rule about um, – so I, I, I think this is kind of funny, like, yo, yeah, we got boxing gloves. This is going to be fun. And uh, they call this other guy, and this guy's Sean. Sean comes in, he's just like this buffed-out guy you know and I'm thinking uh oh this isn't going to go well so i'm just playing around and i don't know what i was thinking somebody told me i did this i i had my my gloves down and i guess i just stuck my head out there and the guy took a swing and connected and i don't remember this happening but i have witnesses there that said i said something like oh it's on and i started charging the guy and the next thing i know i've got guys pin me down on the floor. And I'm saying, what did I do? What did I do? Well, I guess in the heat of the fight that I didn't know was real, I kind of had him against the wall and was just slugging him in the head. He was okay. He wore braces though. But you know what? I, I realized that there was a big difference on my perception of what was going on because I didn't think it was real. But you know, the second I got slugged in the jaw, it was, it was pretty real. and It was on. You see, the, the same thing is true with what we've been talking about, the spiritual battle. Really, our perception of the fight determines how we prepare, determines how we fight. If we don't think it's real, we're not prepared. If we don't think the fight exists, we're not ready. In Scripture, the spiritual battle that's unseen is very real. And because it's real, God has given us the tools to prepare to fight and the armor to defend when we're in the midst of the battle. But you see, we have to realize and we have to be ready, understanding that the battle is real for us to accomplish what we need to in the midst of the battle. So we need to realize that our perception of whether it's real or not determines the quality of the fight we're going to have. The goal in Scripture and in this passage in Ephesians 6, which we're going to be talking about, is to really use the armor that God's given us to defend and to defeat the enemy, Satan, the devil, the accuser, the schemer, the father of lies. God's given us the armor to defend against these tools. The first week we talked about the belt of truth and how the enemy wants to confuse us. And that confusion looks differently for different people, but it's those times in life where you don't know how or you don't know why, but something that's wrong looks right. And something that's right looks wrong. And you're all twisted up. You're not sure what's real. We're confused. We don't know how to move forward advance in the the ranks of the army um god has given us his his truth the scripture so we may know what's real and what's not that's reality what's found in scripture last week we talked about how god's given us the breastplate of righteousness really the breastplate of christ's righteousness how because of what christ has done for us and his forgiveness of our sins despite what we've done the sins that we've committed thoughts that we've had the things that we do god has forgiven us and those accusations of you're not good enough or how could you do that again why do you fail those accusations we have the righteousness of christ to defend against those things which just eat us up this week we're going to talk about a different type of armor we'll find it in ephesians chapter 6 Um, You find this in your outline and on the screens. It says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. That was week one. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. That was last week. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So God has given us shoes to wear in battle made out of the gospel of peace. Could you imagine an army? trying to fight in a rough terrain, in the midst of battle with no shoes on? They're not going to be able to maneuver. They're not going to be able to advance quickly. I mean, there's times in my life where have you ever stepped on a rock with bare feet and it just paralyzes you? You just have, oh, or a thorn, and it just, you stop in your tracks. You can't walk until you get the rock out or the thorn. And so the idea of shoes are, it defends against obstacles in our way. The thorns on the path, the rocks that are there. And we need these shoes to advance, to keep maneuvering, to move forward. Um, What we find is, the enemy as the schemer is constantly laying different thorns, different obstacles. And these are made out of conflict and division. Satan is continually laying traps of conflict and division in our life. These these traps to divide us, to cause trouble in our relationships, pain, hurt, bitterness, these are are from the enemy. James 3 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. That's one part. Keyword, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, quotes, does not come from heaven, down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. Okay, so the writer of James is basically saying this when you are really thinking about your goals and your needs above others, You're not just being not nice. You're actually having the attributes that are attributed to the devil. That word of the devil means devilish. When we're selfish and bitter towards people, we're being devilish. That's his territory. That's the way he acts. That's the way he's wired. So the writer in James is saying this is the trap of the enemy. This isn't just be nice because that's good. It's if you really allow your life to be led by putting yourself above others, not forgiving, you're playing into the enemy's hands. This is the seriousness of the scripture. Verse 16 says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. Again we can equate this to the military analogy. The word there disorder when you act like this you have disorder means instability or chaotic. Not many armies accomplish the mission in chaos. You imagine an army without a clear leader, without a goal in mind? If people in the army aren't sure what they're supposed to do, it's chaotic. They cannot advance. So the picture in the scripture is, as we harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, as we allow this to be the way we live our life, our life will be chaotic. It's going to be unstable, and we cannot make progress. So Satan is continually laying these traps for us to fall. The truth in scripture is this. We must learn how to avoid these pitfalls. As I was preparing for this message, this idea of of the enemy using conflict and division to derail us, in my own life, I've always thought, you know what? I need to make sure I'm forgiving people because that's what God told me to do, which is true. But when you dig into the scriptures, you realize that forgiveness is actually equated to how the enemy will involve in your life or not. If you're quick to forgive you're giving the devil less room to work. If you're bitter and envious over time, the enemy has more room. So our involvement in bringing God into the issues that we're facing, our conflict with each other, the bitterness that we have towards someone, as we bring God into that, we're actually boxing out the enemy, the devil, for being able to affect us. That's crucial to experience the blessing God wants to give us. Ephesians 4 26 through 27 paints it like this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So this is what's great about scripture. You get some practical advice. The idea of when you're angry with someone, don't sin. Anger is an emotion that usually leads to us saying and doing some things that are sinful. But Paul... The writer here, the same guy who's writing in Ephesians, is saying, in your anger, do not sin. And then he, then he adds, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Basically, if you have a problem with somebody, make sure you don't take such a long time to get that right. But in, within ourselves, we think, well, they, they started it. If they would only realize that, it'll be better. Or they did this, they did that, and we don't realize the second half of this. It says, and do not give the devil a foothold. Again, it's equated how we respond in a relationship with others when things go south determines the role the enemy will play. The idea of foothold is directly translated place or room. So if we don't clear up our relationships with each other, if we let conflict and division To just mount over time. We're giving the enemy more space. He has place to work, to maneuver. The best way to defeat an opponent is you take away their space so they can't attack you. What this is saying is is his attack grows because he's got more space to work. And it's related to clearing up the issues that we have with others. So you see in the scriptures that this this idea of the enemy's involvement in division and conflict is direct. He's right there in the midst of this stuff. And I know for me there's a part where I've compartmentalized my life. There's problems, and it's just with me and this person. And a lot of times if they would figure out what they need to do, it's going to get better. If they would make the steps to making it right with me, it's going to be better. But what you find in the scripture is it's not just me and this person. Part of this invisible spiritual battle is going on. And the way that we respond determines how the fight will go. This is real life stuff. So the God is giving us shoes. And it begs the question, why, why shoes? You know, if I'm going to battle, I'm thinking, you know, give me a spear, give me a gun. How many of you would say, hey, can I have the, the ten and a half shoes? doesn't make a lot of sense why shoes What's this idea of as traps are laid that the enemy puts the only way you can maneuver around a trap is to run to move a weapon a gun doesn't help you get past the trap so these shoes allow us to maneuver around these obstacles that the enemy is continually putting there just to mess up our relationships with each other And you know what? You, you start to realize, well, why, why is the enemy so concerned with stirring up conflict? Well, think about conflict in your own life. Would you say you've had a conflict in the last week with someone? You don't have to raise your hand. You could blink twice, right and then left, and then I'll know. You've had conflict in the last week with someone. Or maybe it's this morning. Or it could be years ago. You realize that when conflict happens, when you, you have an issue with someone... Doesn't it take on a life of its own? It's hard for you to focus. You're at work and you keep coming back to, oh man, why is this thing so screwed up? And it affects your other relationships. You can kind of just become detached because this, this conflict is just a swirl. It's just taking all your focus. So it affects your relationships with others, it affects the way you focus at work. It really does take us down. It that all, that's all we can see. That's all we can see as we're in the pit, as we're in this trap. This is all we have. We're just looking. All we see is the light up there. We're in this trap. We're not advancing. We're not moving. We're not fighting. It paralyzes us. But God wants to give us these these shoes made of the gospel of peace so we can move. How to use the gospel of peace? Um. Isaiah 52.7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. You ever admired somebody's shoes? Some of the girls are like, "Guys, like, huh?" I, the only time I've ever admired a guy's shoes was when the first pair of Nike Air came out. And I, he was the only guy I knew. I was in England. Somehow Nikes like didn't cross the Atlantic. So there's one guy I knew in elementary school that had Nike airs. And we we were doing this high jump. Um, and no joke, he cleared the bar no one else could. And all of us swore it was because of the Nikes. Seriously. We're like, it's the Nikes. It's got air. Pockets of air. So all of us are like, I gotta get, you know, I gotta get me some of those, you know. A pair of Voits later in 7th grade. Still didn't have them. You ever heard of Voits? Yeah, me neither. Little pumps. <laughs> but you know, there's this idea of, wow, shoes, those are cool. And, you know, in Scripture, you're like, oh, shoes. I want the real armor. Well, you, you find that the, these shoes are, are, are special. Better than any Nike Airs you could ever get. They're made by the gospel of peace. So let's look at what does that mean. Well, Ephesians... 2:14 through 18 explains it. But the way you lace up your shoes and run, this is kind of what the thing is saying, is you see the obstacles around you of conflict and division. You've got to lace up your shoes and run. Advance past the pitfalls and the traps and move towards peace. Um, John Piper talks about this idea of the gospel of peace. John Piper is an author and a pastor of a church, and he says, The good news of peace is that when Christ died, And shed his blood for sin. Two kinds of enmity were overcome. The enmity between God and repentant sinners. Was brought to an end. And the enmity between races and factions in Christ. Was brought to an end. So Christ became our peace. That is the gospel of peace. The idea of the gospel of peace is. We have been given the opportunity to become right with God. Although we've sinned. We can become right with God because of Jesus Christ. He's forgiven us. And so. The wedge that's there because of how we failed has been removed. And Christ is the bridge to that life that we can experience. So that's the first thing, the gospel of peace is we can experience new life as we commit to Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel is, the good news. But the second is just as important, and it's as we experience the new life in God through Jesus Christ, we actually have harmony and peace with one another. That's the power of the shoes of the gospel of peace. It makes us right with God, and it makes us right with others. It allows us to maneuver around the traps of conflict. So the first thing that you need to do to lace up your shoes is you need to be ready to explain God's forgiveness. Be ready to explain God's forgiveness. This is part how you secure your shoes. Secure your shoes. In real life, you've got to tie those laces Make sure they're tight. How we make sure these shoes of the gospel of peace are tight, we, we explain God's forgiveness to other, others. Ephesians two fourteen through 18. Um, For Christ himself has made peace between us Jews and you Gentiles by making us all one people. He has broken down the wall of hostility that used to separate us. By his death, he ended the whole system of Jewish law that excluded the Gentiles. His purpose was to make peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new person from the two groups. Okay, Jews and Gentiles. Jews were the Israelites, the Hebrews, God's people. Gentiles was every person that wasn't Jew, Hebrew, or part of that God's people. So he's saying that there's basically everyone in the world, there's opportunity for conflict because we're different. What Paul's saying is, yet because of Christ, he. He makes one out of the two. Despite our differences, as we commit to Christ, we have more in common than we ever would have any other way. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. That's a key verse. A lot of times we think, Christ died for me, which is true. But you see, the other part of that is Christ died. And with that, our hostility toward each other died. That's the power of the gospel of peace. It transcends into each of our relationships. It permeates how we relate to our coworkers, how we relate to our friends, to our family. those people that irk us sometimes. Just think, oh, why can't you get it right? Why do you always treat me like that? What the gospel is saying is, As Christ died for our sins and put that to death, he also allowed that wall between each other to dissolve. It says, um, He has brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who are far away from him and to us Jews who are near. Now all of us, both Jews and Gentiles, may come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. The verse is saying... The only way for us to have peace in this world, the only way for us to have peace with one another is because of the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ has given us new life. Think about people in your life that you love, but they are full of conflict. Maybe it's within themselves. They're unhappy. They, They just can't make progress they're always just feeling down and accused. The weight of the world is on them. Maybe in their relationships there's lots of tension. There's pain. They keep just hitting up against the same problems with different people. What you realize by this scripture is the issue is bigger than just these problems. The issue is they need the peace of God. So when we explain God's forgiveness, we're not just giving them a strategy of how to overcome stress or conflict. We're actually connecting them to the source to experience real peace. You can't buy that on Amazon. You can't find that in a movie or entertainment. You only find that in a relationship with God. That is the good news. Uh, John Lennon uh, wrote a song. Basically thinking and imagining about what this world of peace would look like he he desired this idea but the way he thought you get it was a little different let's go ahead and listen to that Written. what you find is, is the premise of the song is, if we're left to ourselves without the government, without religion, if we're just left within ourselves, there'll be peace. And then I look at my daughter and son as I leave them alone. I can't imagine the peace he's talking about. Imagine there were toys for both of you to have. And as soon as you have it, you want the other. That's my song. Coming out next year. Um, but he, he dreamed of this. And when you listen to it, man, it it's kind of just draws your heart. And imagine. Wow, that would be awesome. If it was, yeah, if it was just, just us. problem is, if I'm there, and if you're there, there's probably going to be some conflict. That's the reality of it. And the scripture couldn't paint a more opposite picture. Basically, the only way to overcome this conflict and and the only way to attain the peace that we want is through a relationship with God. That's it. The gospel covers the mother of all conflicts, and that's between us and and God. Until there's peace with God, there can be very little peace with each other. That's, That's the truth. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. There you find the basis for forgiveness is that the Lord, Jesus Christ, has forgiven you. You can't discover it within yourself. You give because it was given. That's the reality. So with conflict and division, that, the idea of disorder like we talked about, that's the unstable ground. Well, the only way to go from unstable to stable is to have a strong spiritual base. This is how you could share to explain God's forgiveness with someone else, by the acronym BASE. The first thing is B, believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and proved he was God by coming back to life. That's the first part of a, a spiritual base that people can have. Second is accept God's free forgiveness for my sins. His forgiveness is a gift that we must accept. It's not ours until we accept it. The S is to switch to God's plan for my life. Right by there, you could draw just a little U-turn. That's what it means to switch. You're switching roads. The way you've been living, trying to figure out conflict by yourself, trying to attain peace any way that you can, it doesn't work. You realize that. And you decide it's time to switch to God's plan. Or the E is to express my desire for Christ to be the boss of my life. For most of my life, I've called the shots myself, and it hasn't worked. So God, I want you to call the shots for my life. I need a new new way. That's how the gospel of peace works. That's what it means to lace up your shoes. Being able to share this to somebody in a way in the midst of the peace and turmoil that they're facing, to see God's hand and how he wants to have a relationship with them, that's how we overcome conflict with each other. We experience the blessing and forgiveness that comes with a relationship with God. Does that make sense? So that's what it means to explain God's forgiveness. The second is we need to be ready to extend God's forgiveness that's the idea of it doesn't matter if you can share about God's forgiveness if you don't forgive the message that you're sending has no weight people will see God's work in you as you forgive them and others that have hurt you that's the power of the gospel of peace As you extend it, people see the worth. People see it's real. Um, I'm going to be reading a scripture out of 2 Corinthians. And Paul, who I've been mentioning, uh, he wrote probably two-thirds of the New Testament. He was a first-century church starter. And in his life, what he realized is, is as he started these churches, conflict came up again and again. And these conflict and division had the ability to just tear up these churches. And it's true today. Nothing tears up a church faster than a conflict or division. The church is divided. It does not stand like anything. And so in 1 Corinthians, he's writing uh, to them about this brother, part this part of the family. He's part of the family of the church, and he was involved in sexual sin. And the church disciplined him and basically threw him out of the church. While the man repented saw the error in his ways, saw that what he was doing was wrong, that it was causing trouble within the church, and that he had just disobeyed God. So he he had repented and stopped doing what he was doing. Well, what was happening in this part in 2 Corinthians, which I'll be reading to you, is the church, people in the church, some key figures, weren't wanting to accept him back. Kind of the idea of, you blew it. These doors will not open for you. And Paul writes this. If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. There we see it again. Forgiveness directly tied to the enemy's work. The picture Paul is saying is if if you... Don't accept this brother back who has repented. He says in the previous verse, all he will be left with is his sorrow. All he has is is just his emptiness of his past. And that's that's not, not right. No one should be left to that because the gospel of peace is based on the forgiveness of Christ. The idea of In order that Satan might not outwit us. Forgive. Invite him back. Extend the love that God's given you to him. In order that Satan might not outwit us. It's basically in order that Satan will not get the upper hand. Will get an advantage. We don't forgive. The enemy has an advantage on us. Of our emotions. Of what we think about. What we decide what we do or don't do. He's in there. He's working. We are not unaware of his schemes. The idea of scheme again is we're not unaware of the conflict he's trying to stir up. We're not unaware of the division he's trying to put in in our midst so we'll fight one another. And if you think about it again in military terms, if an army is fighting itself, it cannot fight the enemy, it cannot progress the battle. So the scriptures, what Paul is urging us is, your hope is in God who extends peace. The way you overcome the conflict is extending the forgiveness to others, extending the love you've been given to others. You first must experience it, and then you extend it. And so I encourage you this morning, you know, we leave church and we go to where we go, a lot of times we don't sit and think, I wonder if there's some conflict that I need to take care of. You know, you know you're into your lunch, you're, you're wanting to enjoy yourself. But the scriptures, what they're saying is if you really want to experience peace and experience blessing, you've got to take care of this aggressively. You lace up your shoes and you run to fixing it. So think through is there anyone that, that you just have conflict with? There's a problem that maybe happened recently, happened years ago, that you've not dealt with. It's time to let go. It's time to make it right. Do all that you can in your power to do that. It could be in your relationship with God. There's just things within you that you just you can't surrender to Him. If you've got some questions that are holding you back. Seek to get those answered. We can help you with that. So, just maybe you and your relationship with God, or it may be with one another. We have hope today in the gospel of peace. The good news is we don't have to live our life under this conflict, under the burden of the bitterness. God has set us free to advance forward, to move past these pitfalls. So, I encourage you to do that sometime this week. Take the time to take some inventory of your relationships. There's some other next steps that you can take. Uh, the first is you can memorize Colossians 3.13. The best way to fight attack is to use the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is Scripture. As you get attacked, you use Scripture to fight back. We we don't have the power within ourselves. We use Scripture. So each week we usually have a, a Scripture to memorize. That's just to strengthen your sword to fight. Um, you can memorize Colossians 3.13. You could pray for an opportunity to share the base. Is there someone... In your life, that is experiencing the burden of conflict, the weight of life that's just paralyzing them. There's something that you could share, this hope, how to have a new spiritual base with God. Third, is there a way you can make a move towards peace in a conflict I'm facing? I already mentioned that. And the last is sign up for a growth group. That doesn't really seem all that connected. You know, fight. Fight. And join a growth group. But what you find is, as you rally around with other people, as you do life and and move from isolation to connecting with others, there's strength that you get. There's perspective that you get from others. That's why we do these things like groups. To get you connected. So there's help. And we really want to help you. So I encourage you to take one of those steps this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for equipping us to fight, and we may never have ever taken a swing before or ever realized the battle that's around us. I I pray this morning that you'll give us your strength, the ability to stand against the attacks that burden us, consume our minds and emotions. Give us the ability to fight with your power. And God, I, I pray for reconciliation this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there is division or conflict that's not settled, I, I pray that people will take the initiative to make that right. And that your peace will really transcend. And that we'll experience harmony with you and with others that we've never experienced before in our lives. This is the hope that we have and know the truth that we really can have that. So I I pray, God, this morning you'll give us a little taste of that. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.